0: Romance friends, this is Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I go on at length about the romantic movies, TV shows, and books I love without embarrassment or shame. Mostly, this is Poppy, and in this episode, we're getting frilly and fluffy and frothy over royal romances. definitely going to be a frilly complete fantasy based episode that's so fun to do around the holidays you just might get a cavity from all the sweetness and 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 hurt yourself with all of the suspension of disbelief and my uk listeners are going to have to forgive probably this entire episode <sighs> But I recently read my first royal romance and thought, well, that was so fun. And luckily, I'm not ridiculous over royalty. Or so I thought. (laughs) The evidence may prove otherwise. I've talked about this before, but I was an Anglophile from the time I was a kid. My favorite books that I read over and over and over again were set in England. A Little Princess, The Secret Garden, maybe I was English in another life. I don't think I'm a royal stan, but I did get up before dawn to watch Diana get married on TV. I grew up to marry my British pen pal and lived in London for many years. I guess this is kind of my jam, according to the universe. And now, I get to trot out my one royal anecdote. I have waited years to talk about this. Nobody cares. It's a total accident, pretty much little of any import happens anecdote. Except I was mere inches away from a prince. It's the most adjacent of world-adjacent stories. When I lived in London, I worked for a big book publisher doing publicity, and we were giving a launch party for an author who wrote the strangest novel with talking cockroaches as protagonists. I swear to God. So the publicity department had this brilliant idea— Let's host the book launch party after hours at the Insect House at the London Zoo. What we didn't know was that very afternoon of the party, Charles and Diana had reserved the entire Insect House for, I think it was maybe William's birthday party. He would have been under 10, I think. I only saw Diana's legs as she climbed into a bus, I'm assuming was filled with all these pooped kids after the party. I saw someone from the zoo curtsy, and that's all. Dang it! But for some reason, palace handlers decided to bring Prince Charles right through the room where we were all waiting to set up the party. The whole PR team. Learned of this and within minutes had this crazy hushed discussion about what we should do. Okay, stay seated, no eye contact, obviously. Oh, but I was going to sneak a look. I was one of four publicists, and all eight eyeballs were locked on each other in the most comical way as he walked in, like we were willing each other onto planet don't giggle. In strides, Prince Charles, shooting his cuffs. You know what he does when he's uncertain? Do not ask me how I know this. So I'm in the seat on the end, and as he moves into the room, I glance up really quick, and he makes eye contact with me. He had the sweetest look on his face, to be honest. He brushes right past me in that navy blue flannel double-breasted blazer. You know the one. The one. Yeah, I was inches away. I like to think that he touched my sleeve. Not with his hands, just brushing past me. That's how close I was to royalty, people. I believe Charles stared right into my soul that day. Jenny, if you're listening, I will never forget your wide, frozen eyes burning into mine. (laughs) We were all in a quiet panic, I think. So royalty. Nah, I'm not moved either way. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) So every single romantic movie with royal in the title is going to make me stop and say, do I really need to watch another royal happy ever after? The answer is usually yes. As Lord sings, Let me live that fantasy. I will watch Hallmark movies with royal in the title all the ding-dong day, but for whatever reason, I haven't really read many royal romances. But when I read the description of Royally Screwed by Emma Chase, I was like, okay, this is a royal romance. one of my favorite subtropes. So it's royal commoner, but where the commoner teaches the royal how to enjoy the simple pleasures of life, how to be a real human being, common folk, how to get in touch with their inner good person who actually thinks of others once in a while and has to earn people's trust and respect. And needless to say, getting whatever the hell you want when you want it from the ordinary person's point of view is another massively appealing aspect of this fantasy. Because most of us will never be swept up in a royal love affair and transformed from a broke barista in a messy bun and dirty apron to a princess after a visiting royal stops by for a nice latte, you know, as they do... "'takes one look at us and swoons.
1: "'Early the next morning, I'm feeling almost human again, "'though still achy and fog-headed. "'I have a meeting upstate with the heads of a military charity organisation, "'and we're scheduled to leave just before sunrise. "'The earlier we arrive at our destination, "'the less likely a crowd will be there to greet us. "'Thankfully, the damnable snow has finally stopped.' and if there's one thing I appreciate about this city, it's its ability to get up and running through any catastrophe. Although the roads appear passable, Logan trades out the limousine for an SUV. In the back seat, I straighten my tie and adjust my cufflinks, while Simon mentions a craving for breakfast tea and a slice, or two, of pie to go with it. I've been looking for a reason to return, not that I need an excuse— "'because I haven't been able to stop thinking about the pretty waitress "'and the way I treated her. "'After I nod, Simon gives Logan the directions, "'and we pull up in front of Amelia's a few minutes later. "'The street lamps are still on and the sidewalk is empty, "'but the door is unlocked, so we walk inside, "'an annoying bell chiming above our heads. "'It's quiet. "'I don't take a seat, "'but stand in the middle of the room amongst the tables.' We're closed, she says, coming through the swinging door, and then her head jerks up as she comes to a halt. Oh, it's you. She's even lovelier than I remembered, than I dreamed. Delicate midnight tendrils frame a face that belongs in a museum, with stunning dark sapphire eyes that should be commemorated in vibrant oils and soft watercolours. If Helen launched a thousand ships... "'This girl could raise a thousand hard-ons. "'She's prettily made, "'the top of her head coming only to my chin, "'but fantastically curvy. "'Great full tits that strain the buttons "'of a wrinkled white blouse, "'shapely hips in a black skirt "'tapering to a tiny waist I could wrap my hands around, "'and toned legs encased in sheer black tights "'finish off the whole package very nicely.' An unfamiliar anxiousness fizzes like soda in my gut. The door was open, I explain. It's broken. Logan flicks at the lock. Security is his life, so a broken lock would annoy him like a puzzle with the final piece missing. What do you want? She has no idea who I am. It's in the defensive way she holds herself and the accusatory note in her voice. Some women try to pretend they don't recognize me, but I can always tell. Her ignorance is rather thrilling. There are no expectations, no hidden agendas, no reasons to pretend. What she sees is what she gets, and all she sees is me. My throat is suddenly a barren wasteland. I swallow, but it's difficult. Well, he's desperate for some pie, I say looking my thumb at Simon. And I... wanted to apologize for the other evening. I don't normally act that way. I was on a bit of a bender. In my experience, people don't do things when they're drunk that they wouldn't do normally. No, you're right. I would have thought all those things, but I never would have said them out loud. I move closer, slowly. And if I'd been sober... My opening bid would have been much higher. She crosses her arms. Are you trying to be cute? No, I don't have to try. It just sort of happens. Her brow furrows just slightly, like she can't decide if she should be angry or amused. I feel myself smiling. What's your name? I don't know if I asked before. You didn't, and it's Liv.
0: The Prince and Me is one of my favorite royal-based movies. And I think one reason I love it so much is it's set at my alma mater. I spent many hours in that Rothschilder studying.
2: Hello again.
1: What can I get for you?
2: Well, I was hoping you could recommend
1: something better than what we've been drinking. Well, for the discerning out-of-towner like yourself,
2: I recommend Lining Kugels. You can really taste the extra ten cents. Yes, by all means, too, please.
0: When Prince Edvard and his manservant Zoran arrive at the UW dorm, okay, that looks exactly like my old dorm. Only it's got ugh, bunk beds. And of course, the director contrasts it with the Danish palace. So it's especially hilarious. But Eddie, as he's calling himself on campus, is eager to see (laughs) the women from the Dairy State flashing him like he saw on some sort of Girls Gone Wild late night show back home. And we know we're in for a delicious You're Not in Kansas Anymore story.
1: I I love organic chemistry.
2: For instance, I've just recently discovered that large amounts of alcohol mixed with a carbon-based life form causes the life form to blurt out stupid things. So, well, apologies to the other night. I was just having some fun. Right, of course you were. And I love being made to feel like a brainless slut by some sloppy lush. Thanks. I have learned me to repent the sin of disobedient opposition. To you and your behest, I am enjoined and beg your pardon. Is he drunk now? It's a play. Romeo and Juliet. Shakespeare. This is going to be a fun semester.
3: Don't forget your I... I'm actually kind of busy.
2: Oh, dear. What? I believe you just got rejected, sir. You know, I don't think that's ever happened to me before. You've never been attracted to anyone who didn't know you were a prince before. I wouldn't get too worked up over it, sir. The chances of a relationship between yourself and Miss Page are not promising. You two are of a completely different caliber. Zoran, just because she isn't royalty it doesn't mean she's not important. The higher caliber I was referring to, sir, was hers.
0: One of the very tropiest holiday romance movies of them all is Christmas at the Palace. Okay, I love this one for so many reasons. First of all, the king is drop dead gorgeous and he's got great chemistry with the female lead. He's a grumpy Grinch, a kind of cynical, sarcastic, ooh. So we've got that whole grumpy sunshine trope going with the ice skater and her best friend who are just visiting their (laughs) fake (laughs) Alps-based country, and they're asked to basically put on a Christmas ice capades at the palace's Olympic-size indoor ice rink, you know, as palaces have, right? Right. And he wants to throw this ice capades for all of his loyal subjects to prove that he is not the Christmas Grinch, but he's the Christmas King like his father. Okay, have I said that I am seriously in love with this actor? I mean, this scene gets me every time. There's nothing common about you at all. Not you. Nope, not you.
2: hello what has you awake at this hour
4: I couldn't sleep thought I'd make some hot chocolate
2: curing insomnia with sugar and caffeine (laughs) I can ask the staff to help
4: no I'm perfectly capable of boiling milk and chocolate
2: so you sure you don't need any help at all maybe a little So do you often have chocolate in the middle of the night?
4: Well, I figure chocolate comes from cocoa, which comes from a tree, which makes it a plant, which means I'm kind of having a salad.
2: I like your logic. (laughs) You can keep a secret. I keep a stash of candy in my office. Ooh, state secret. So the pageant's in five days, and then you go home?
4: I do. Although... What? I guess I... I've been in such a big rush to get home, but lately I've realized why I spent the past four years on the road. To me, home is where my mom was. Especially at Christmas. I guess I'm not so sure if going home is actually going to feel like home. I mean, back in New Jersey, I have a, a lot of people I love. Friends, family.
2: How about? No.
4: No, Beau.
2: Oh, no, I find that hard to believe. Why not?
4: I was dating someone, but touring and distance took a toll, and I don't think I really wanted to get close to anyone else. How come? After my mom passed away, I... I didn't want to lose anyone else.
2: What if you didn't have to lose anyone?
4: What about you do
2: you date not since christina's mother passed i've devoted all my free time to christina plus dating in the national spotlight's a little bit daunting mm. although i think i'm ready to find someone i know how much christina wants a family you know i see her with you I should get back to this.
4: What is it? Some more state
2: secrets? (laughs) It's the Christmas Eve dinner plan. Mm -hmm. So it's who's invited, who sits where. The diplomats with the diplomats and the cabinet separated so they don't fight.
4: (laughs) Hmm. Where would a commoner like me
2: sit? Well, there's nothing common about you at all. So many of you... To come to the Christmas Eve dinner, I would see you right next to me.
0: Y'all, I am not hate watching these at all. I am eating them up with a spoon, okay? Another one with the honkiest royal is Crown for Christmas. Of course, she's a New York hotel maid, remember Maid in Manhattan? And she's discovered as a good, virtuous person by a palisade and whisked to another, <laughs> another ridiculously fictional country with really pretty snow-capped mountains to become the widowed king's temporary holiday nanny. The only woman who can tame his rambunctious daughter and help him realize that what he's been missing is a commoner slash quirky amateur artist, lest he become like his cold father. Brr, poor Royal.
1: I know you talk to horses. Do you ride them?
4: A few times around Central Park.
1: This park's a little bigger and quieter. Thanks. You know, you can only see so much from the back of a limo. You can see everything from the seat of a horse.
3: You ride every night?
1: It's the only time when I really feel like myself. I think that's why I love New York so much. Nobody knows me there. I can stand in line, get shouted at by taxi drivers.
3: (laughs) that's what you want?
1: you'd be surprised what you want when you can't have it
4: (laughs) we should swap lives I stand in line and get yelled at on a daily basis
1: you know I met my wife in New York her family was as royal and stuffy as mine but she wasn't we eloped Vegas? Niagara Falls (laughs) my father would have disowned me if he could he was a much better king than he was a father
4: I probably shouldn't say this No, please, play it. Do you ever feel like maybe you've become a little like him?
1: I'm afraid I might be going down the same path.
3: Paths change all the time.
1: Not in my world.
0: All of these commoners single-handedly saving the royals from their toxic childhoods. What would they do without them? Once Upon a Holiday steals from one of the greatest royal romances of all time, Roman Holiday with Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. Hey, steal from the best. In this movie, Jack is a gorgeous, kind handyman who finds Katie wandering the mean city streets after she gets mugged. She has no ID on her, of course and she's playing hooky from her royal handlers to rekindle memories of past Christmases she shared in the city with her late mom. Jack puts her up and starts helping her and eventually falls for her until he finds out who she really is. he's way too grounded for all this. Is there any future for a humble handyman and a royal woman? Oh, the disappointment. This is Hallmark, don't worry. But things get messier before they get better, and we learned that the love life of a princess is much more stressful than one would imagine. And then we
5: would go exploring the city, looking at all the decorations to find the most perfect fit.
2: I, I look forward to those visits, too. I knew your mother since she was a little girl, and we were at school together. And once she married the prince, those visits, it's the only time I got to see you both.
5: It's been far too long, George.
2: No need to make any excuses. I'm sure the princess of Montserrat has plenty more important things to keep her busy.
5: Yeah, so busy, they can't even get by for an hour without me. What's the deal? Montserrat is such a small country anyway. Why do they even need a princess, huh?
2: (laughs) You know, I remember your mother asking the same question when she married your father.
5: Well, that was a different story. She fell in love with a prince. All I ever do is stand here and wave and flash a smile and give speeches to a bunch of people that don't listen to me anyway.
2: Hey, what you do is very important. People depend on you.
5: Maybe I'd like to be undependable.
2: What is going on with you, Katie?
5: This. I didn't ask to be a princess. You know, it never stops, by the way. There's always someone there trying to tell me how to talk, how to how to how to look, how to smile, just how to be.
2: It comes with the territory.
5: <laughs> I can take care of myself. Thank you. I'm sorry, George. You know, being in the city reminds me of how much I miss her.
2: So she's a princess. What's the big deal? It's not like Katie lives in a castle or something.
5: Actually, really? Uh, Wow. (laughs) What's it like? (laughs) Later.
2: (laughs) So who are those guys chasing you?
5: They technically work for me. At home, in Montserrat, we celebrate Christmas every year with the national festival. It's a very old tradition. The whole country looks forward to it. And for hundreds of years, the royal family, my family, has always presided over it. <sighs> and now you gotta go home.
1: Um.
2: Hey, I'm happy you got the chance to back and see Christmas again when you remember it Jack I, uh, I gotta I gotta go to work um, Have a safe trip home Katie
0: I'm a huge home baker, especially around the holidays and I have been eating up the book Battle Royal by Lucy Parker. It's about two neighboring pastry shop owners in Notting Hill, Dominic and Sylvie, who are selected as judges on a kind of Great British Bake Off-style reality TV show. When a princess gets engaged, they both desperately want to win the commission to bake the royal wedding cake. Dominic makes classic elegant confections in shades of ivory, buttercream, and white. And Sylvie is all about pink streaks in her hair, edible glitter, and unicorn cakes. So you can imagine, Dominic is the sarcastic grump, and adorable Sylvie is fueled by sunshine. Dominic's pastry shop has been in the family for years. It's a society favorite, and the odds are them getting the commission. Sylvie is a fresh new talent who really annoys him, He's haughty, exacting, and sometimes really mean to the contestants on the TV show. A kind of more intellectual and sharper Paul Hollywood. And Sylvie decides that if she gets the chance, she's going to throw her cute little hat in that royal wedding cake circle pan and give this insufferable grump a real competitor.
3: Official press release from the palace. Sylvie followed the link in Jay's text to the actual announcement the Duke and Duchess of Albany are pleased to announce the engagement of Her Royal Highness Princess Rose to Mr. John Marchmont. The wedding will take place in the spring in London. Further details to follow. As usual, Jay was right on the money. Oh, Mariana frowned without much interest. Famously not a royalist. Remind me, Princess Rose is daughter of the king's middle son, Zack said admonishingly especially popular with the under-30 demographic, fab fashion sense, like a young Morticia Adams. But she'd retain a spot in my top three favorite royals just for that interview as a teen where she compared her ghastly uncle to a codpiece. (laughs) He bounced on the balls of his feet. God, I love a royal wedding. So do I, Sylvie murmured meaningfully, flipping through to the news sites and clicking on the first link. The press release had been out for almost 20 minutes, so naturally the media had already thrown around names for everything from the dress designer to the supplier of napkin holders. She scissored her fingers, enlarging the official engagement shot of the couple smiling into one another's eyes. The bride's sleek dark hair was smoothed into an unusually restrained knot, but she'd stuck to her guns with the heavy black eyeliner, Her lacy black dress was a little funereal, but clearly a compromise between her own preference for Victoriana and the palace's idea of appropriate styling for a photo shoot that would make the history books. The groom was wearing a pink shirt, and his curls were fluffy. It was like a grown-up Emily the Strange marrying Bertie Worcester. The smiles were natural, the body language extremely affectionate, but their knuckles were white. Nerves or tension, Sylvie studied the cover shot for a few more seconds, then scrolled down to the article. The journalist would have had a lot of the copy sitting ready to go. This had been on the rumor mill since their first joint public appearance, the union between the king's eldest granddaughter and the youngest son of a baronet, who, according to this tabloid, had inherited neither land nor brain cells from his parents. The overgrown goth princess and a stuttering social climber with all the poise and sophistication of a golden retriever. Charming. A page-long summary of Rose's past romances and flings followed, basically an illustrated guide to the art of slut-shaming. Did the editors of the Daily Spin actually advertise for their writers, or just draw symbols on the ground and summon them from the underworld? Sylvie zeroed in on the column she was interested in. At least twelve fashion houses had been mooted for the gown, only one name in connection with the cake. Even the tabloids considered this a done deal. If Dominic had also seen the breaking news, he was probably out there right now, putting the finishing touches on a sketch for an exquisitely rendered snooze of a fruitcake. Zach read her mind. I suppose DeVere's is doing the cake. First royal wedding in years. Dominic's probably a shoo-in. His granddad had the honor in the past. Devere senior was the king's pet baker. His majesty was very fond of their Battenberg. Mariana looked at him and he shrugged. Fact of the day on the Royal stands blog. Mariana's attention returned to Sylvie. She was observing her cannily. Is that just the slightest touch of scheming criminal, mastermind, I see? Zack made a noise like an overexcited chicken. Are you going after the Royal Wedding Contract? Literally, the cake of the year. He hauled Sylvie's chair around and leaned close. She widened her eyes at him innocently, and he clapped his hands together, a booming slap that made her jump. Oh, hells, yeah, judge versus judge, neighbor pitted against neighbor, the kitten taking on the lion. Sylvie's eyes narrowed again. Zack gave another wriggly little hop. I do love me some drama. Bring it on, dollface. Kitten her ass. This was for her people's future job security. And it was a bake that would be preserved in perpetuity, a part of history. She'd probably have phrased it differently, but what the hell. Bring it on, dollface. If you're looking for some pure escape
0: over the holidays and you can put your cynical goggles aside, I recommend royal romances. I mean, who doesn't want to be swept away for a moment from their poor working class slob's life? I'll take that fantasy bubble every time. Get away from me with that pin, get away! This podcast, I hope you'll share this episode from your podcast app, follow this podcast, or tell a friend about it. And come chat with me on Twitter. I'm at poppy underscore confesses. You can find show notes with links to what I've been babbling about at confessions of a This entire episode is dedicated to my listeners in the UK. Thanks for putting up with my gushing. Until next time, wishing you all the prince or princess of your dreams.